Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, Fill those jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us bow for prayer. O oh God, open our minds, open our hearts, open our arms, that this day might, we might learn something new we might be able to change just a little to love you more and to love others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. They have no wine. I can hear Mary's voice now. I would have said the same thing to my son if I had been in that same situation And any of you who have had dinner guests can easily identify with Mary's pain. Will we have enough food and drink? You can never run out of food or drink. After all, what will people think? But I hear a deeper question, a question that we have probably all asked ourselves at one time or another, Do I have enough? Am I good enough? Do I have enough money? Do we feel safe enough? When is enough enough? There was so much hype this week about the California lottery. The single prize was to be $304 million. The odds of winning are 1 in 292 million, so next to impossible. But one day I turned the TV on, and a news anchor woman was talking about what you could do with all that money. Well, you could buy the best car and two beautiful homes, one for the summer, one for the winter. In fact, you could buy a major league baseball team. 
But what I didn't hear her talking about was the fact that you could feed all the hungry children in America. Or with that kind of money, you could eradicate malaria from Africa. What if you bought the winning ticket? What would that look like in your life? The life of a Christian. When is enough enough? Our scripture lesson this morning is one of the most familiar passages in the book of John. It is In the book of John, it's the only place in the Gospels that this story appears. The story is a story about signs. This was the first sign that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. It began to show the disciples who he was and what he was about. John says in verse 11 that after this sign, the disciples believed in him. The disciples are much like us. We doubt at times. I think they needed miracles so that they would truly know that this was the Son of God. But when is enough enough? How many miracles did Jesus have to perform before all 12 of the disciples believed? How many miracles do we have to see before we believe in Jesus? I hear Mary speak out of scarcity when she tells her son there's no more wine. Jesus then tells the servants to fill the jars with water up to the tippy-tippy top. And then Jesus said, draw some water out or draw some liquid out and bring it to the chief steward. It was the best wine of the whole party. Jesus answers with abundance, divine abundance. He didn't just provide wine for the party. He provided wine for the rest of the year. I love to tell the story about how I prayed for a little girl. My husband and I had two sons. The first baby, I wanted a daughter. I got a son. The second baby, I wanted a daughter. I got a son. So then I prayed and prayed, and my husband and I put in to adopt a little baby girl. Well, I figured I could just put her on my back and go back to work the next day. But God had other plans for me. We got the call. And the call was from Columbia, South America. And in those days, you got the call on your landline. So my husband was upstairs, and I was downstairs. And the voice on the other side of the phone said, We have a baby girl for you. And, and, and what? And she has a baby brother. We have a set of twins. If you would like them, or you can wait for the next baby girl to be born because we will not separate the twins. Well, I couldn't see my husband's reaction because he was upstairs. So... I said, we'll have to call you back. 
And he came down the stairs, and you know, I gave him one of those wifely looks. And he said, of course. So we are so thrilled that we have four children. And Caitlin and Andrew, we got them when they were four months old, and now they're 30, and Caitlin's here today. So I'm very happy. And someone gave me a mug last week that said, be careful, you might be in my next sermon. (laughs) So, Caitlin, you made it. (laughs) When is enough enough? My husband and I were privileged to take a mission trip to Guatemala last year. It was our third time there with our dentist to do dental work in remote villages. And the children were barefoot. Why? Because they had no shoes. We gave them a 25-cent bouncy ball. And they were so happy. It put such joy in their heart, and we handed them flip-flops. We gave each child two pair, which cost us maybe 50 cents or a dollar, And they were happy. They live in extreme poverty. But perhaps they realize that you don't need very much to make you happy. Perhaps they realize when enough is truly enough. How much is enough? One theologian who asks to look at the question of abundance is Sally McFay. She suggests that if we are to be faithful followers of Jesus, if we care anything about our spiritual life, the good life, the life lived in and with God, we need to get out our calculators and take a look at what abundance means in our world today. In her book, Life Abundant, McFay makes a case for a theology of a different kind of good life. The Christian good life, she says is marked by sustainability, self-limitation, and the inclusion of all people, especially the weak and the vulnerable. She writes, I believe Christian discipleship in the 21st century means cruciform living, an alternative notion of the abundant life. For us privileged Christians, a cross-shaped life will not be primarily what Christ does for us, but what we can do for others. Cross-shaped living is the kind of life Dr. Martin Luther King lived. He was a great role model for a cruciform life. Dr. King said, love is the only force possible of transforming an enemy into a friend. When we love others unconditionally, and sometimes that is very difficult, when we love as Jesus loves us, our human relationships have potential to mirror the divine. In giving ourselves, we can experience the satisfaction, power, fulfillment, and joy that is God's will for our life. Reverend Adam Hamilton is the senior pastor at one of our United Methodist megachurches. It's the Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. 
And I know that many of you know him through his books, and you're studying him. He has authored many books. He tells this great story that I just love to tell in his book called Enough. For months, Adam had been waiting for an iPhone. It was when they first came out. If you recall what happened when they first came out, he had seen the commercials. He had put his name on a list for more information. He knew he had to have one when it came out. Then two months before the iPhones came out, his Palm Trio phone broke. And back then, when you had good insurance, which he did, they gave you a free phone. So he said, I'm going to have to wait and get an iPhone in a couple of years. It just happened that the day the iPhone was released into the stores, Adam was out of town with his worship staff. And that night, they ate in an outdoor restaurant in an outdoor mall, and they decided to walk around the mall to eat off their dinner. Well, they just happened to pass the Apple store with the line that was very, very long. Adam said, I just need to go in and look at the iPhone. I need to see one. They ran into a clerk, and he asked what time the store would be closing that night. And the clerk said midnight, if there were phones left. The group left and went to an evening meeting. At about 11.30 p.m., one of his staff members looked at him and said, you want to go back, don't you? And he said, I do. So they drove back to the Apple store and went inside. There was no line left, and there were phones. Adam held that phone in his hand. He had three different people demonstrate all of the features. Before long, he convinced himself he really needed it. By now, it was 12.02, and he thought to himself, these poor guys have been waiting to close the store. I should really go up and buy the phone. So he took the phone to the register, plunked down his credit card. That was when the strangest thing happened. For the first time in his life, his credit card was rejected. <laughs> the salesman said, do you have another credit card? Of course he had another credit card in his wallet. But politely, he said, I just need to go now. And he left the store without the phone. He later thought that moment felt like a real God moment. When is enough enough? Amen.